Oh, because of the thing. Yeah, I forgot about the thing. Yeah, I forgot. Technology. Okay. Welcome to Instructions. I'm Bob. And I'm Josh. Uh, this is the second time we've recorded this week. Mm-hmm. And I've already done a different show earlier today. This is what a pod- is podcast full week. I'm going to do one tomorrow. Oh, yeah. Yeah. There you go. Kind of weird, mm-hmm. but... Um, yeah, so I thought we were going to skip this week because I thought the one we did earlier this week was going out next week, but it actually went out today. Uh, yes. So this one will go out next week. So yeah. we didn't skip any after all. Brandon did it very quickly. What do I know? Anyway, yeah, so uh, we're going to give it a shot again. What's been going on in the last two days? <laughs> a whole lot. A whole lot. A lot has changed. Well, I talked about last episode, like, dad stuff, mm-hmm. and... The I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what, if anything, I'm ready to share about the dad stuff we're facing. Mm-hmm. Other than we're a homeschool family, and my oldest son has been asking about public school. And truth be told, my wife is getting kind of tired. So we've been thinking about doing that and going around, and I've been touring and kind of half-heartedly interviewing some of the administrators at some of the schools because you can get like waivers to go outside of the one school district that we're in. So it's been, it's been really exhausting, mm-hmm. like mentally exhausting and then trying to like figure out what to do. And it's some of those like pivotal moments in our family that we get to decide. Right. And that is definitely from a place of privilege that we can try to figure out where we want to go. And not that we have our free range because a lot of places are telling us that they're full. And so we can either choose to send them there or we can choose to kind of do what we have always done or varied a little bit. I don't know. So it's yeah because of our non-traditional schooling choices, like the the world is our oyster and we can kind of do whatever. And it's, it's a little overwhelming. Hmm. So we, I've been dealing with that the last couple of days. Not that it's a bad thing. It's just there's a lot of like big life choices that – we have to make, and we don't really, like, we're not being forced to make them, but we're just weighing all the options, and we're having those kind of parent moments. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it is it is a lot. Um, I think one of the interesting things, though, in the position you guys are in is that you, anything can be undone, can be yeah. changed. It's not a permanent forever kind of thing. Oh, look, the kids are home. You can hear the thumping above <laughs> us. Wow. Yeah, that was like, fast. They're flash actually, dancing. Yeah. Huh, there's some weird noises going on up there. Um, yeah, but like, even though I, that's not a, that's not super helpful in the moment when you're still trying, you still have to get through the decisions, you still have to weigh all the options. Somebody's hurt. <laughs> no, hurt that's not upset. a cry. That's not a cry. That's a, hey, look, I'm a fire engine. <laughs> I don't know what that is. Anyway, so. It's good that, you know, it, it. you can try something, you can adjust, you're not forced into any particular thing and not stuck in any of the decisions you make right now. But Yeah, but it's it's funny because it's something that we have, like, purposely not cared about. Because it's like, oh, man, school drama. That sounds terrible. Glad we don't have to worry about any of that. And we don't have to worry about it, but we're being responsible. And uh, my son is asking... Some really deep and mature questions. He's asking for things that 
you know, we can't offer. He wants to be around more kids his age, which we go to homeschool group. We have like play dates and things, but um, trying to weigh the, the grass is always greener kind of mentality. Like he doesn't know what he doesn't know. And what he knows about public school, he's read in books or he's heard kind of from his friends. And so that's not to scare him away from the idea of going to a school with people who are different than him. I mean, that's one thing that I have identified that is lacking, like a rich, like social diversity. Mm -hmm. But to what extent, like, is the benefit of going somewhere for the sake of a social challenge more beneficial than like a dedicated education? Not saying that our education method is better, but I'm pretty sure that my wife would say it's better. But I don't know. It's one of those things. It's like we have the choice to do it, and we're trying to weigh all the options and all the possible ramifications of doing all of the things. And uh, it's not easy. Yeah. So. Yeah, I mean the you know the social exposure and good education are not mutually exclusive. Um, so it's not like you know do we give him anybody. Uh, life experience or a good education, right? Those don't have to yeah. be separate. They don't have to be different places or different times or anything like that. They can be the same. And, uh, you know, education is one of those things that it's super hard to, uh, like, quantify between, even between two schools. And we were talking about this earlier. Between two schools, like, you may get an A at two different schools, whether those are public or private or home or whatever, but an A from one is not necessarily the same education as an A from the other. Mm-hmm. And so even, you know, going from uh, like your wife teaching them to someone else teaching them, it's hard to say that it's going to be better or worse. Or even once you get a grade, it may be hard to see if it's better or worse. And so it's almost kind of one of those unknowable things, except that in your situation, you absolutely know their intake, you know, their performance, you know. Yeah. And that that's, I mean, our, our parental kind of stance is that what we're doing works. We know what we're doing works educationally, you know, educationally. That's, that's really great. Um, (laughs) we know that the education method that we're using, the combination of things that we are using is beneficial. It's tried it's true. We we have seen and we continue to see the kids that are older than him in the curriculum that he's using and the, the co-op that he's in. It works. And it works really well, and we're super impressed with it. That's not to say that it's snobbery better than, than public school. I've been pretty even-keeled about both options. Uh, if I had to be adamantly against public school, then great. We were already homeschooling. That's fine. Um, but like the school, the elementary school that we're zoned for, everybody has had terrible things to say about it. So it's kind of scared us away from that. I'm like, well, now that the playing fields are, there's an imbalance mm-hmm. in our favor that what we're doing already, we know is kind of better than the social structure at this school. And so today I went and met with the vice principal at that school and asked him some very candid questions. And he was extremely gracious with his response. Uh, I kind of brought it up. I'm like, yo, people say your school was not great for these reasons. Like, are they wrong? He's like, well, in some aspects, they're not wrong. And then for these reasons, you know, they're holding on to old um, reputations. And so he was very open and it was really great. And uh, I didn't get a like, ew, this place is terrible and we're never going here feeling. But at the same time, I'm like, it made me really proud of what we are currently doing, that we don't have to weed through 
like the, they, they mentioned discipline issues and like um, socioeconomic issues that prevent people from learning. And I guess they, that particular school had a lot of it. And I'm like, well, that's something that we don't have to face. Right. We don't have to have a teacher split her time or his time between 25 other students that need additional help uh, at the sake of, of my kids, you know, dedicated attention. And so, I don't know, there's so many things. Um, so it's something that we're, we're working through. Mm. And so that if any of you are homeschool parents that have older kids that have wondered about public school, uh, if you have any advice or any anecdotes about how you approached it, I would welcome those. That's an interesting thing. I'm glad that you would welcome those. I would not. Yeah. I'm in an entirely different situation than you. Yeah. But, like, I don't know, man. Like, uh, for me, getting... I'm not sure how I would filter that kind of of input from people in a different... I don't know. Well, I say that knowing that most people are going to go, it depends on your kid. It depends. So there are so many variables that there is no, like, one path. Right. There are some people that I've read on, like, homeschool networks and things that have talked about their experience with it, but that's, like, one person's perspective. And so I'm of the camp that if I don't know, I want to try to take averages from people that seem to Mm -hmm. have experienced it before. And I'm not going to go, okay, that person said to do it, then boom, mama, we're doing that. Yeah. But yeah. I'm not so naive to think that my way is the only way. So we moved our kids to a different school system this past year, not because what we were at was bad. The school was actually great. Um, but we just had an opportunity to go to a different system that's going to be closer in the long run as they age up and go to different schools. And um, also a good school system. But I was super hesitant to take in input from people about the change in school system because it feels like one of those things that if somebody's happy where they are, then that, in their mind, probably means that's the best one. And it's okay for two people to be happy at different schools, but that they both can't be the best, right? And and just because they are both the best doesn't mean the other one is not good. And it was really hard. And so we... We did ask people we know personally, like we know their kids, we know how their kids perform and, you know, interact with people and stuff. We asked them about their experiences, but it was never just like a, should we do this or not? It was just like, so what's your experience been there? Um, and kind of, you know, add some pros and cons to each one of the sides and mm-hmm. try to figure it out. But I don't know, that was hard for me. Well, I think because of the nature of homeschooling, like we're able to to be a lot more fluid and to adapt to the to small changes that we see that taking input from other people um, is not necessarily advice. It's data. Oh yeah. Well, that's a good way to look at it. And I mean, we're, we're ultimately it. And I think it's empowering also as homeschoolers to go like, Oh, well, if the principal says they can't wear this or they have to go to here, like, well, okay, well that's great for you. We can do whatever we want. And so I'm already of the mentality that Whatever anybody tells me, I'm not going like, to take that as law. Hmm. I'm going to go, okay, well, that may work for you, or you see this as a benefit in your area. I don't necessarily see that as a benefit. So thank you for this data. I'm going to use it. I'm going to process it, and then I'm going to go talk to those people. Because there were so many people that angrily turned their nose up at the school that we're zoned for, and then the vice principal called me back because I tried to schedule a thing, and they kind of just for- seemed like they forgot about me. And I already had my mind made up for a lot of other reasons and just kind of didn't even think about that school. And so he called and I went and toured it this morning. Um, it was more of like a, 
a research trip rather than a decision making. Like hmm. I just wanted to see why people thought this place was bad and if it was like if they're getting a, a, a bad rap for no reason. Right. It didn't make me want to send them there and it didn't make me want to not send them there anymore. Yeah. yeah. But I just wanted to find out for myself. I wanted to give them their fair shape. And I'm glad I did. Yeah. But again, I mean, it didn't really. Not that we are some VIP and our kids are free agents and all the teams in town want them to come to their school. That's not the point. But I just want to see how other people are doing it. And if there is a public school that stood out in the things that they offered or the staff culture that they had that did tip the scales from being more advantageous than what we can offer. Mm -hmm. And I mean, it hasn't been so far because we have a lot of liberty to do what we want to do when we want to do it. And it's pretty nice. And I, I talked to my son about it, not necessarily like the, well, you have the grass is greener kind of mentality and you just don't know. So we're going to do what we're doing and we're going to kind of ignore you. Like, that's not what we're trying to perpetuate. I want to show him that we are giving him the respect of actually answering the questions for him and legitimately trying to see considering if there is a way uh, to, to meet his concerns, um, whether or not we can just amend what we're already doing or it's like, well, get on the bus. You're going to school now, and you know, we'll see you when you graduate. Which is this weird thing that, like, <laughs> but that's, that's I know. not life. That that's a. But as a homeschool mom, I feel for my wife. Like this is her, not even her job. Like she feels this is her calling. Like this is one of her major purposes. And so to pursue these things, like it, it makes her feel some kind of way about it. And I've had to talk with her that if this does end up being a route, like she's not a failure. Yeah. And she's not there to supplement some stranger's education. And so that's that's been its own like conversation. Mm-hmm. But I don't know where we are. We know that I think we have like maybe four courses of action. One of them was going to the school I went to this morning. So now that's gone. So now we have like three possibilities. Yeah. And so now we just kind of wait for people to, to let us know whether he can go to certain places or not. And if they don't, then okay, fine then we have already defaulted right now. We are already moving forward with either doing what we're doing and then amending it in certain ways to try to address the concerns that he has instead of just, like, hopping off the boat into the public school water. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think you just kind of deal with it as you go along. I, I can imagine not having ever homeschooled that there would just be a lot of, I don't want to say distrust, but like, uh, nobody's going to do it as good as we can. That feeling. Well, that's something that, um, and I, I, and I say that because like that could easily be totally valid, or get in the way of an opportunity. Agreed. And I think I would have a hard time putting that aside, and that's probably a pride thing for me. But you know, I'm being like. Like, no matter what I see, it, it won't be good enough. So I'll just end up keeping them home myself. But Yeah, and that's something that my wife and I have had to discuss, <clears throat> that we're not so prideful to believe that we have all of the right answers for every situation. Yeah. Um, like I said, one thing that we can't do, I mean, we are a family of five, so when he's doing a majority of his work, he's surrounded by, you know, his mom, his little brother, and his little sister. So diversity, like, he doesn't get that. We find that that is lacking. That's something that we can't offer. 
Um, I'm not exactly sure on the homeschoolers and extracurricular activities in Kentucky. I know it, it varies from state to state, but things like that, opportunities that we couldn't give him because hmm. you know, we kind of operate in a small little community. So there's there's benefits that we see, and we're not so proud to think like, no, I am the best teacher for my baby. Yeah. Well, no, I didn't mean it like that. Yeah. I just mean that there's— Well, that's a sentiment. That's a very strong sentiment in the community that people have either had oh, bad yeah. experiences and they homeschool because they feel it's right, but I think also to, like, spite the man a little bit. Hmm. And that's never been a motivating factor for me. I don't know if it's like—again, you mentioned pride, but— a point of contention that people like, no, I know my children best and no one else can teach them except for me because, you know, I'm their parent. I know that I don't know. there's things that my teachers knew about me that my parents didn't because I acted differently around. Them. <laughs> yeah. So that pride can only, I think, get people so far. Hmm. Well, hopefully, you know, it'll become a little more clear as you continue to fact find. Oh, one thing I have noticed. Okay. And again, these things may seem silly and trivial to you, being a dad of kids who are already in public school. Um, you have access to way more information about your kids' schooling than our parents ever did about us. Oh, yeah. It's crazy. That seems... I don't know how I feel about that. There's part of it that I don't like, because it almost puts a little bit of unnecessary responsibility on the parent to keep track. Like, I want my kids to be have initiative, and mm-hmm. I don't want them leaning on the fact that I'm going to come around and be like, hey, I was looking at your grades on my phone and the test yesterday didn't, blah, 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 you know, pick it up. I want them to have the responsibility of every nine weeks or whatever. They have to manage their own stuff. And I'll help along the way as much as they need, but, like, I don't want them hoping I'll come around to remind them to study. Because hmm. that's, it can easily turn in that. If you're like one of the helicopter parents where you're always looking at yeah. stuff they turn in and you're always talking to them about it, they'll just be like, oh, I don't have to worry about that project. My parents will remind me before it's due. Nope, not in this house. Hmm. You don't do your work, you don't do your work. See, I had a thing that I'm thinking of it like a high schooler that, you know, I've, I knew I had so many points within a certain. Um, it was like report card period. And if I didn't get a project done or if I didn't get homework done, I'm like, well, I can kind of afford to eat that one because I know these other things. And I can, like you're saying, I can try to manage my own workload, mm-hmm. which I think prepares you for college where you absolutely have to manage your own workload. Yeah. And not having to answer for all of the tiny little things because it all comes out in the wash. Like I, I need to have a result. My result is that report card. and go, here you go, people. Here is... The assessment of me. And I think micromanaging that can be really exhausting. Yeah. And put maybe a little bit of undue pressure on the kids. Yeah. To like it, if you, you mess up a little bit, like it, it'll be okay. It's not the end of the world. And you can plan accordingly without having somebody breathing down your neck about it. Like when you get home from school that day because they saw it on their phone. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know how often teachers update that stuff. I don't know if it is it's, real time. At least ours is pretty much real time. Wow. It's kind of crazy. So our oldest, this year, um, he went into middle school, and it's a big change. There's mm-hmm. a lot of things that are different about how the classes are structured, the amount of work they have, how they keep track of their work. And the first couple of weeks, he, because we could see um, his grades, 
we were looking at it and like we could see like man you're like missing points like there's homework just not turned in which is t- out of character for him yeah and so in this case i'm saying the opposite of what i said a few minutes ago it was really handy over a couple of weeks we could look back and say look in these classes you have missed you've just not turned in work why is that and he's like well i just kept forgetting and whatever and but it it gave us a way to start talking to him about you know, maybe you're not mature enough to really look ahead at how this is going to impact your grade, your overall grade in 10 weeks, but it is. You have to fix this. This is not our job. We're not doing the work for you. We're mm-hmm. not going to remind you all the time, but you have another six weeks or eight weeks to fix it. And he totally did. All A's, mm-hmm. one B. Nailed nice. it. And the B was like just under being an A. So that just having that bit of information was enough for us to be able to like at least steer him back. And he managed the rest of it on his own, and you know we didn't stay on him about it or anything, but we could watch the grade go up a little bit. And we knew that if it didn't, we would be able to step in again. So it was useful in that. I guess we were probably looking at it more closely than I typically would, but we weren't necessarily telling him that we were looking at it. I think if, if and that's a big that thing. resource were available, I think that's what it would have to be. It'd be a silent monitoring. Yeah. It's like a just-in-case... You yeah. see them really going off the rails. Because I see that maybe as the, I don't know, like employees would get annual or semi-annual evaluations. Oh, yeah, we should probably do that. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> Anthony, your performance is adequate. <laughs> it is moderate. <laughs> but I see that really as... Really awesome. Like, get it? See what I did there? Yeah. As the day-to-day evaluation. Yeah, yeah. Like, that's how I... And again, I haven't actually used this in practice... But that's the aura that it puts off in my mind is this just constant like, oh, hey, let me come talk to you. Why don't you come in my office real quick so we yeah. can talk about all of the stuff every single day. And that seems to get kind of exhausting and not allow people to kind of take their own initiative or figure stuff out for themselves or, like I said, manage their own schedule or expectations of the things that are demanded of them. I don't know. Yeah. I, I, and that, I guess, a lot depends on, you know, how the parent, individual parent is going to deal with um, – using that tool so it's a good tool to have it's it does seem a little overkill to even have that available because that's got to put a at least a, a little bit more on work teacher. on the teacher man yeah like to report every they have to put in every piece of homework everything that is missed all the scores for every piece of homework and for every quiz and every test i assume it's all there i don't know it mm-hmm. does seem like a lot to me but and I guess in Kentucky, they test the kids like in a standardized test three times a year. Mm -hmm. That seems like a lot. Well, like I get the data points because I love data and I love me some spreadsheets. But like that seems like a lot of testing. And I remember when I was in the 10th grade, like in the late 90s, they were talking about this one particular test. It was going to be like the end all be all test. And like your whole school year focused on how to successfully pass this test. And it became less about like learning about Magellan or reading Beowulf or whatever than it was to like, this is how they expect you to answer this type of question. Yeah. Well, and I think that's why having more than one of those standardized tests a year is beneficial because it doesn't put all the pressure on the end. Does it not have the same gravitas as the big one or are they a little more low? Uh, It's, it's, you know, it's gauging progress is all it's really about. And I believe that those tests are averaged out school-wide at the end of the year to show the overall growth of the student body. It's not like, you know, fourth grade is doing bad. It's like 
look, everybody went from, uh, you know, no expertise to proficient or to mastery or whatever mm-hmm. the, the step up is. And our kids, at least so far, they had it in Georgia as well. It was called something different, but it was right. essentially the same thing. And I think they had it twice a year. Um, but ours never freaked out about it. They never mm. were bothered by the fact that you have basically a week of testing. I only remember having it like one, maybe it's not a week, it's a couple days or something, but it's a dedicated period of like, oh, we're doing whatever the test is this week for a couple days. And I remember doing that some, but they do it at least, I guess, three times a year, but they never seem worried about it or stressed about it. Like they're not pushing it that way. Yeah, because our school made like a big thing about it. Yeah, we had like an assembly, and it was like they fed us breakfast when like we never got breakfast. I'm like, why are we getting breakfast? Oh, yeah. they're like, cause the F. It was called the F cat. They're like, the F cat's coming. And we're like, you guys are acting really weird, and you can tell that you guys are all freaked out. Hmm. And it, it, I'm absolutely sure it had to reflect on them and probably their pay based on how the students. Yeah, like probably, so or like was, resource allocation for the school right. or something. So it may have been less about an assessment for the students' academic prowess as it was for. Like I said, resource allocation for that particular school. Yeah. So it may have been a little CYA for the administration and less about, like, making sure that people were proficient in those skills. Yeah. The thing that's interesting for us with the kids has been, you know, they they, the first one is just about getting a baseline at the beginning of the year. And I'm always really proud when you have those – you have this little meter at the top that's like – you know, state averages in the past or whatever for reading, for math, for science, whatever it's broken down. And our kids are, you know, proud dad moment, are <laughs> consistently way above average on those initial tests. And so I'm always like, oh, man, by the end of the year, kids are going to be like off the charts. <laughs> and it's really cool to like see them take the same test. I, I think it's the pretty much the same test at the end of the year. And to see those numbers just go like way up every single time. <laughs> and, you know, you see stuff's happening and... I'm sure other kids are also getting really good grades on them. I'm not saying our kids are the only ones, but... Um, but proud dad, it's Yeah, it's kind of cool to see, you know? it's See, and that's one thing in homeschooling is that they don't have, like, the big... I would say big just because, again, I don't know the scale of the test that we're talking about, but, like, these standardized tests to, like, compare everybody. Mm-hmm. It's, it's very individualized. And with the curriculums that we have, it goes through, like, these... The, the book series. And a fourth-grade curriculum could have six to seven of these like books and you work your way through them and each one of those books has a test and each one of those books tests on not only the information you learned in that one but information you learned in the previous one and then at the end of all those you take like an end of that grade air quotes test Hmm. and so it's just it's information retention for the things you just learned and things that you should have learned previous but it's not one that like measures you up against an average yeah. Because they don't accept that kind of information because it's all kind of locally kept. So we keep our own records. Hmm. And so because we keep our own records, there's no, like, national database to see how, how many yeah. fourth-grade homeschoolers, you know, scored within this percentile. Yeah, and, I mean, that really doesn't matter when it comes down to it. You know. Well, no, it's kind of weird for us because when we have these conversations with these educators, I'm like, I, I think everybody thinks their kid is brilliant. Everybody right. thinks their kid is smart. And, I mean, you should be biased that way. I'm like, but uh, I think he is. I'm like, he's reading The Hobbit with me. I mean, a kid can read chapter books and he can do algebra. And my middle son who's in kindergarten is can read words. And 
I'm like, but I don't know if he were to step into the big scary public school system, like on average where he would fall. Right. And so we would walk around and there's like a little pocket of kids in like a, a little like reading area in the corner of like the library in one school or another one we toured, like had him in this little common area. And they're like, oh, those are kids that need like special help and they have volunteers or like special educators that like kind of pull them out of class, not in a bad way, but just like give them extra attention in the thing that they could be deficient yeah. at. Mm-hmm. I'm like, are my kids deficient in something? Like, I don't think so. Like I have the curriculum, we have the information, they progress through it. My wife is a very studious teacher. She's an educated person who has dedicated her adult life to now teaching these kids. So she's not like just very flippantly like, okay, whatever. Like you're done with, let's forget school and let's go play today. Yeah. Like it is, it's very strict in the material that is covered and how that material is received. But again, I don't know. Or if it's based on like, they've never really taken a structured test. My, my oldest son has computer work. As part of his curriculum, just like your kids have, you know, homework on the computer. And I think the test that we're talking about is administered on a computer. So the way that the test is administered is not foreign, but little things like right, that. Like yeah. if you haven't grown up in public school and seen like the Scantron, I don't even know if that's still a thing. It is. Whatever format, like would that in itself be so foreign that it would distract from the questions being asked? I mean, I don't think so because yeah. even kids in public school have to at some point encounter that for the first time. You know, right? Hmm. I mean, I think my second son, who's in third grade, I think he had Scantron tests for the first time this year, and it didn't. And you know, I mean, he's not like a first grader. Yeah. <clears throat> um, and it didn't like throw him for a loop. He was just like, yeah, it was kind of crazy. There were like circles, and we had to fill in these circles, and we had to really, really be careful not to go out of circles. <laughs> I'm like, yep, that's Scantrons are quite adamant cool about that. Scantrons. Yeah, I mean, you know, like the Scantron, ask him why he's so Mr. anal. Mr. Scantron. Yep. I mean, you know, that stuff only, I guess, matters as far as like whether he's competent compared to other people. It only matters if you're actually comparing, like if that comparison matters to you. But if you're in charge of the coverage that he's getting in all the different subjects, it it's kind of like college. Like it doesn't really matter compared to everybody else. At other at other schools in the college mm-hmm. setting, if you're getting that same education, it's like if you're doing the thing that is put in front of you, you're doing it well. Okay, yeah. <laughs> you know, like, like who well, cares? Call that doctor that graduates with a seventy-eight. You call him doctor. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. But I don't know because this is the first time we've ever had to think about this. Like. It's weird. I, I think about it on some level like a college because we're like, oh, maybe let's try to put in a way to go to that school or maybe like that school. I had this like, oh, man, is he going to get in? Are they going to be accepted? Is the principal going to say yes, they have room for him yeah. to get into the school of choice or whatever? And so it puts this weird comparative nature to his education where it's never been the case before. Right. Yeah. And it's the first time I've had to really think about it. Like, And I don't think they take a handwritten note from their dad. They go, my kid is brilliant. He can he can skip a grade. I, mean, I don't think that that's a thing. No, but he could take a test and skip a grade. So do they do that? Is yeah. that a thing? Yeah. I was always very irritated as a kid. Oh yeah, those kids annoyed me. Grade. Those the kids that got to skip grades. I was like, man, no, come I on. wanted to be the skip a grade. Kid. Yeah, you would have annoyed me because like you sure. like you're not that much smarter than me. Like no, but I could take a <laughs> test better. Not you and me. I just mean like as a kid. 
to see those kids who were like younger jump up to my grade, and I'm like, come on, get like, out of here. I'm not dumb. I mean, <laughs> like, why can't I skip a grade? You're just getting done faster. You tie your shoes just like I tie my shoes. That's right. Einstein. <laughs> <laughs> well, I hope you guys get some clarity on it, and I hope it, uh, you know, turns out in a way that you're comfortable with. I mean, obviously, like you said, you don't have to make any choices, so you can make it comfortable. Yeah. But for your son, I hope it turns out to be something that will push him in the directions he wants to be pushed. And Well, I've had a lot of surprisingly mature conversations with him. And we told him to, you know, this is what we're considering. These are the options. I'm not trying to scare you from public school. I'm not going to use it as like a threat to you doing your homeschool work. Or like if you if you start acting up, you're going to go to public school where they make you retail of two cities. Like, I don't want to do that. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, I wanted to set his expectations. I was like, tell me the things that you think happen at public school, and I'll tell you if it's legit or not, or if it's just some movie thing you think of. And remember at one <laughs> Revenge point, of the Nerds, yeah, pretty much just like that. Well before the, the actual mature conversations, he was like, I get a locker. It's going to be great. I'm like, you don't get a locker. Like, you might get a locker in high school. He's like, I don't get a locker. I'm like, no, like, why do you care about that? Are you, we'll build a locker if you really want to have one. Yeah. But those are the things he was fantasizing about and idolizing. The, the silly things, not the mundane every day, which I think would affect him negatively a lot more than he thinks. Because For a little while. While he needs, I understand my son is one that needs structure, which is something that we're going to have to address. He also gets bored, like me, very quickly. And that was my big problem in school. And again, like we've talked about, I'm not trying to project my past onto him. But, I mean, he's in the fourth grade now. We've seen it. Yeah. And I can only imagine it's not going to get any better with just the mundane day-to-day. He can't – he wants to be finished when he's finished. And it's something that he expresses to us at home. He's like, can I just do my work? We're like, yeah, man, be motivated. Be a go-getter. Like, yeah, set your own schedule. Like, this is great. He's like, okay, I'm ready to finish my work, and he'll get it done super fast, and he'll get it done correct. He's like, all right, I'm done. We're like, well, you're homeschool. You're never done learning. Hooray, let's go explore some other stuff. And let's just gain knowledge. And he's like, no, I just, I don't, I'm done, right? I have work. I did work. Leave me alone. I'm like, ooh, that's not how public school works. Nope. Like, that's going to be a thing that I think is going to be really rough. But I don't know how they address that now. It could be completely different than when I was a kid. Yeah, I mean, I think it is a little different because it always kind of confuses me when mine will come home and say, like, I got to do this, you know, extra computer thing today, or I got to start working on this, whatever. And I'm like, when did you do that? Like, that's out of your normal mm-hmm. schedule. And they're like, well, I got done with my work in this class. And so they send us off, a group of us off to whatever. And so it seems like they are, they have maybe kind of stacked up extra different stuff for them yeah. to do if they finish or if they can skip over. Because I know, like, certain of my kids have a pretty high reading level, and so they get to skip over the reading portions of some of the, right. the class. Um, my daughter is doing this thing where she helps out with, like, the special needs classes, and so th- she gets to do that during the reading portions of her language arts because, like, she can read it like, a college level, so they're just like, whatever, go go help. Yeah. And she's happy to go help. And she, yeah, she did, And it doesn't affect her negatively. So I think there are some things. Again, that depends on the age and the school and all that, I'm sure. But, yeah. I, think, I thought it was a nice little moment of pride when I was talking to the vice principal today and we went into the library. And 
I was like, oh, man. I was like, my son would just be in here all day. He's like, is your son a reader? I'm like, that's that's what he does. He doesn't want to go play outside. He wants to read. He has a very, like, he's kind of come into his own with the types of books that he wants to read. And then asking me to go, like, are there more books in this kind of genre? And I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah, let's go find some more. And that's one thing that I am really proud of because I didn't have that. Like, I grew up not caring about books. I thought books were boring because all the ones I had to read in school, like, I could care less about including The Hobbit. <laughs> and so we watched Lord of the Rings, and I told him about the books. He's like, oh, man, I want to read those books. I'm like, well, we got to start with The Hobbit. He's like, let's do it. And then uh, he, I would come home from work. He's like, did you go get The Hobbit? Are we going to read it? I'm like, dang, okay, fine. So I went and bought the book, and now we're reading through it. And he is so engaged. I'm like, this. you are so far beyond like a passion for reading than I ever had. Hmm. And uh, the principal was talking about that he's like okay he's, he's a reader he's like that's really good he's like you know as a fourth grader he would go to this reading class and i was like well what are they reading now and he mentioned something and i was like oh we're working through the hobbit right now and he kind of stopped and like went back he's like wow i'm like i don't know if that's good i read the hobbit in the seventh grade and he's reading it in the fourth grade because he just thinks it's cool not that he are you guys reading it together yeah like taking turns on yeah we take turns i gotcha but he, I mean, he has a bunch of chapter books that he reads by himself, and yeah. he goes to the library, and uh, he maxes out his library card at the library. <laughs> Cards all do that, too. <laughs> it's awesome. But, again, I don't have a basis for comparison, and he doesn't understand that a book is mature or a book is whatever. He just likes the fact that there's knights and monsters and stuff in it. And I, I think any educator would say, awesome, do that. Because anything that gets them in the habit of going to look for the thing that they like in a book, yeah. awesome. Because that's just going to translate into them knowing that that's a source that they can always go to. And having the skills to be able to weed through whatever book they happen to be in front of to get the information they need. So I, I think any teacher would probably, as long as it's a you know age-appropriate, like it's, it's challenging enough for them to be reading. Right. And they'd just be like, yes, read whatever you want to read. Is the summer reading list, is that a thing? Or is that just things I hear about in like yeah. a movie? Yeah, that's a, that's a thing. Okay. Our kids usually come home with a reading list and never read any of them. Yeah, I think I had one at one point in life. And then like, yeah, it's the summer. I'm not reading your dumb books. Yeah. I'm watching Price is Right and <laughs> playing football in the yard. I mean, like our kids have continued to read all the time. Some more than others, you know, so even through the summer, like, we don't really have to try to get them. Uh, Jenny's really good about taking them to the library and letting them pick out stuff that they're interested in, and she kind of stays on them about that, even through the summer. So that's been good for keeping the reading up. Yeah. But, I think our kids are at the library today. Hmm. hmm. Uh, anything else? I don't yeah. want to cut you off on that, but no. any, anything else? No, that's about it? it. I mean, it's thanks for listening to me. I know you've been a big help through all this, and... I reached out to uh, another YouTuber, podcaster that we know who homeschools his kids. And he pretty much said, like, if my kids wanted to go to public school, I would flex and tell them no. I'm like, well, all right then. <laughs> Which was helpful in some respect because I never considered that as an option. But, yeah. So, again, it's good to get data points from a wide distribution. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well... We have some pros and cons. You want to do? I some think we do. Anthony cons. had a bunch listed up there from all of our people on Discord, the Maker Alliance crew. That's right. 
Hey, you should tell people about the Maker Alliance. I think I will. Go for it. So the Maker Alliance <laughs> is a group to. of amazingly awesome supporters for I Like to Make Stuff. It is the combined name that we've given people that support on YouTube or Patreon, that little extra, and then they get more from us. They get video content, um, free plans, discounted coupons, like physical tangible rewards that we're about to get in the mail soon oh, that are going to yeah. be shipped off to them. I forgot about that. Yeah, a lot of cool stuff. The, the extras that we're offering on those platforms has been very dedicated and is working out. Uh, you can get your name in a video, a lot of cool stuff. So with that, they get Discord access, which is, if you don't know what Discord is, which I didn't at the time, uh, it's like a chat room, a special chat room just for I like to make stuff. There's not, it, it, it's not inundated with a whole bunch of people. It's people that care and people that help each other out. Uh, Anthony and Forby are on there talking to people all the time. I get on there every once in a while as I can. Um, but we asked them, what should we talk about in pros and cons? And they gave us a huge list that we have on this screen right over here. You guys who are watching the YouTube video of this podcast can't see, but we can. You know, it's funny. I, I know there's a camera right there. Right there? And yeah, right yep. there. And right there. I know it's there and mm -hmm. I know it's on and I see the screen of us all the time, but I completely forget that this is video. I've been look. I like, I've not looked up this entire show. Hmm. Which doesn't matter. Sorry. Should have a better camera presence. I, I should. I should put a camera right here next <laughs> to the instructions so I can look down at the booklet and also be looking at the camera. All right. What do we got? Um, car chases. <laughs> Real life car chases? I, I don't know. That needs some clarification, I think. This is from Brian. You have to go down the line and Let's head back to this. Let's do real life car chases. Real life car chases. Um... I'm going to say con for real life, but I actually do have kind of a cool car chase story. I think you've told your car chase story. On here? Yeah. The guy going backwards? Oh, wait a minute. I remember there was a <laughs> car chase and then somebody ran through your yard. Oh, no, that was a, yeah, I forgot about that one. You've been involved in multiple car chases? Yeah. Well, wow. actually, I've had nothing to do with any of them. Well, I've you have tangentially been involved in okay. multiple car so chases? So one time, Sunday afternoon, I'm going to church to play in the band. I'm, like, driving down this Bull Street in Savannah, Georgia. Bull Street's, like, the main center road that runs down through downtown Savannah. And on those roads that go like this, there's squares. These And they're, like, kind of roundabouts, but they're squares, and so you have to drive around them. So you can't ever get going very fast downtown because you always, like, go, you know, eighth of a mile. Then you hit a square. you got to go around the square. And there's roads that come in on all sides of the square. You just can't go very fast downtown because okay. it's, it's a grid. Because of the obstacles. Yeah, obst <laughs> because of my <laughs> obstacles. So I'm driving down this road going maybe 25, 30, something like that. And a car, in this is a two-lane road, and a car in the other lane passes me going backwards at at least 80. That's impressive. It was awesome. <laughs> and the dude is flying past me backwards. He gets about maybe two, three car lengths in front of me. Pulls a movie 180 at that speed and kept going. Brilliant. It was awesome. And a cop car was <laughs> right behind him. And came, and we were headed towards the police station, too. It, it was right next to the church that I was going to. So we were going toward the station, and this dude just spins, keeps going, and the cop is right on his butt. And they went down uh, until the square and then peeled off to the square, and I never saw what happened. But it was cool. It's freaked Bowen me out Luke really good. Avoided him and then they <laughs> sped off into the sunset. That was one of those moves, though, that like you just 
professional drivers do that. Nobody else. But that dude nailed it. And there were cars parked on both sides of the road. I mean, and he didn't have a lot of space. I'm, I'm sure he was not a great guy because he was running from the police. But it was an excellent move. That move? I've done that move one time. At uh, 80? Not at 80. <laughs> but you have to go fast. Uh, yeah. I, you I can do that. Right. It doesn't have the, like, e-brake parking thing. You just gun it going backwards. And you just hard over, like, boom, like, whip the steering wheel. So it's not the, like, combined clutch, handbrake, steering wheel kind of thing that yeah. you would think the forward ones are. Right. Going backwards, punch it, and then just, like, boom, flip that steering wheel around, and boom, you go spinning. But did you stop, or did you continue to go uh, forward? You have to kind of catch, you got to right the wheel. But then you, you also have to shift to go forward. Mm, well, you can put it in neutral. Oh, okay. Well, uh, well maybe yeah. it's a little more than that. Yeah. But I remember I was doing it in a in a truck. And oh, it was, it wow. was icy. But you can do it on dry ground. Oh, okay, yeah. It's better. Yeah, if you're on ice or something, yeah, you would go the direction you were going regardless. Yeah. Huh. I've never been uh, involved or purview to a car chase. I know that a car chase is very selfish. It is. I think that it is one of the most selfish things that a person can do, like besides committing a crime, which is pretty selfish. Yeah. Being so arrogant and thinking that you could flee because you're not that great of a driver, I bet you. Yeah. You're going to crash. You're going to flip. You're going to hurt other people that have absolutely nothing to do with your terrible decisions. So, I mean, car chases in movies are kind of neat. That's cool. They're choreographed. Hooray. That's fun. And even then when you're watching, like, the, the chopper cam with the person speeding through the residential neighborhood, I hate watching those. Yeah. Unless it's really funny and the person, like, gets hurt. That's you're like, ha-ha. <laughs> there, you're going to jail and you're hurt. Yeah, it's kind of, it is super arrogant to think that, like, yeah. I, in this car, by myself, am going to be able to outrun a network yep. of police officers all communicating yep. in real time from in, all over the city. Like, you'll never catch me because I'm different somehow. <laughs> yeah, that's idiotic. Car chases in movies, I do think, are pretty cool. Did you ever see the movie Ronin? No. I know. The Robert De Niro? Movie? Robert De Niro? It has one of the... And I haven't seen it since it was in the theater, so I could be conflating it in my head, but I remember it being one of the coolest and longest car chases I had ever seen. Hmm. I think it was like a good 20, 30-minute car chase. Wow. Yeah. And we left that theater. <laughs> my friend Adams, who's actually now a police officer, um, driving in a way that was not safe. But we it was like 2 o'clock in the morning. There's nobody else on the road. And he had this big Isuzu oh, trooper. Oh, best ideas come at 2 o'clock That's in right. the morning. Um, he had this Isuzu trooper with like big wheels and stuff. And so we were just like bounding over sidewalks. Not sidewalks, like getting out of the parking lot of the movie theater. Nobody was in danger except maybe us. But it didn't last long. Anyway, good movie. Good car chase. All right, what else we got? Legoland. From... Jeff Stute? No, that's... Oh, that's Lego video games. We'll get to that in a minute. This oh. one's from Paul. Paul. Legoland. You've been to Legoland. I have been to Legoland. What did I you like think Legoland. of Legoland? We were pass holders at Legoland just because it was just as expensive as a single-day ticket. Yeah. The, we went to the one in Florida, hmm. and they had a cool water park. Legoland was neat. I like Legos. I think it could have been upkept a little better. Yeah. But it's not a major theme park. So it's kind of forgivable. My understanding was that the one in Florida, they took over Bush Gardens? No, they took over Cypress Gardens. Cypress Gardens, that's what it is. Yes. So they took over an existing park that yep. was on its way down. Yep. And so they kind of started. So it was like on a lake bottom. and they have like a water show element, which Cypress Gardens had. 
Uh, it's oh, very, they still have that? Yeah, they oh, do. It has like the Lego pirate shipy kind of theme. Ooh. I never watched it because I didn't really care. It was just kind of, you'd see it as we were walking around. I'm like, oh, that's something I don't want to watch. <laughs> the roller coasters, I mean, for kid roller coasters, were really good. They're definitely kid roller coasters. Yeah, but they were they were really good. Yeah. Um, I think my oldest, that was the first roller coaster he ever rode. It was mm-hmm. like the dragon one. It was like yeah. a castle dragon theme, something or other. The other one, the like... Going through the safari, whatever one was my oldest son's first roller coaster. And then we rode the dragon one. I, I got no beef with Legoland. I was disappointed in, not in any specific part of it, but just overall, I think Disney does such a good job at pretty much everything that it just makes other parks being like, well, it's not Disney. Oh, yeah, they could definitely I mean? have done better. Did like, you go in the hotel? No. Oh, friends of ours stayed in a hotel, and we went and walked around the Lego hotel. Man. Really? Like you talk about the, like the all-inclusive resort. They're not really all-inclusive, but like the resort experience that you're hoping to get at Disney. Mm-hmm. The resort experience at Legoland is probably a little better than the park. Really? It was beautiful in there. Huh. It's tons of stuff to do. It's crazy expensive, <laughs> hmm. but very nice. Interesting. Yeah. Well, maybe we'll have to look at that at some point. Um, I didn't dislike it, but I was a little... It could be better. I was underwhelmed yeah. by it. Kids... Enjoyed it just fine. And given that, like, you can get a free kid's ticket with an adult ticket, like, it, it's pretty cheap to get yeah. in there most of the time. So not something we would probably make a special trip to do. But if we're in Orlando sometime and we have an extra day or whatever, you know. Yeah, yeah, I think the reason around. we went, I think we've probably been three or four times, and that was only because we were season pass holders and only because that season pass was as much as a single day pass. Right. So it worked. Their marketing plan for that annual pass totally worked on us, but probably not enough to drive us back on our own. Did you buy any Legos while you were there? Yes. I was one of my travel travel rituals for a little while. I bought the Wally set, the Lego Ideas Wally. Oh, yeah. And it was my goal, because we lived right over the border of Jacksonville. We lived in Georgia, was to put that set together from Orlando to Jacksonville. So about two hours, a little more than two hours, because it's on the south side of Orlando. Like, I set a goal for myself sitting in the passenger seat of a van <laughs> to build, like, a Wally, and I With absolutely no, did it. no flat surface. With no flat surface <laughs> at night, trying to balance oh, the instruction manual and all of the bags. I hmm. totally did it. And I'm like, this is how I get through road trips from now on. Huh. And honestly, if I think back... If I would have had that carried forward in the RV, life would have been way different. Hmm. Potentially. Maybe I wouldn't have thought that everything was dying and the world was crashing all around me if I was just building Legos in the passenger seat of the truck. Then you would have had Legos that you had to put somewhere in an RV, which would have been tough after a while, I'm sure. Yep. All right, what else we got? Let's do a couple more. Oh, the Lego video games was one of them. This is from Jeff. Um... Lego Star Wars, Indiana Jones, Superheroes. I don't think I ever played the Lego Indi- Indiana Jones. I've played a couple of them. I mean, they're not bad. They're they're huh. not my cup of tea. I look for, like, being immersed in, in a thing. Yeah. Just like when I watch yeah. a movie and you can't really be immersed in something that, like, when you bounce on someone or you, you destroy a bad guy, they turn into little bricks. I played some of the Lego Star Wars ones when they first came out. And that was a long time ago. Those have been around for a good amount of time. So I don't know how they are now. I know they've improved the gameplay a little bit as far as, like, they've gotten just a little more interesting. But I really don't have any 
kind of modern experience with them, so I don't really know. Remember when we had an Xbox, you could get a lot of the the Lego games on Xbox Live for free. Oh. Hmm. So we could play them for a little while. and yeah, The kids, I mean, the kids probably, they haven't played them, I know that, but they might enjoy them. Yeah. I've thought about getting a couple of them for our kids. Like, there's a Star Wars saga game now, a Lego saga game, and so it covers all the characters and all of the time periods and stuff. Hmm. And, you know, if the kids have never played any of them, that might be a fun way to let them yeah. kind of play different parts. Uh, okay, you want to do well, how long are we how long are we in like fifty three no minutes? Um, you want to do one? one sure. Or two more. All right. Huh. <laughs> That's from Brent. Good old Brent. Music. Billy <laughs> Billy Joel. I am, I am pro music. No, Billy Joel. I'm. I could honestly not care about Billy Joel. <laughs> I'm with you. <laughs> yeah. I I mean I appreciate the fact that he is an excellent musician because he is. I've seen him play piano a lot, but like it's just not not my thing. It's yeah. kind of like we talked a long time ago about like Kiss and different bands that you know, like to some people, and I think even you were saying that like that's there's some of the bands that you really like because you have attachment from when you were growing up and stuff that I just I never did anything for me. Yeah, um, Jenny really has always liked Led Zeppelin. I, I mean, there's a couple of Led Zeppelin songs I mm-hmm. like, but most of them just kind of. Kind of fall flat. I think for people me. have that with like Bruce Springsteen, and I would put Billy Joel in that same kind of Bruce Springsteen kind of category. That I don't know. Some people really, really like him. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, do you think music is one of those things that, depending on where you are in life, what's going on, the music that happens to interact with you right there is connected to it, and so it oh, means absolutely. something more to you than than it, that same music would to somebody else at a different time. Or even somebody else at the same time, honestly. I would I would make the point that music that meant to you at that specific moment when it was supposed to, you could be repulsed by now. Yeah. You because probably, I'm trying to make like a mixtape for Deacon, and I'm thinking of songs that were really important to me. And I'm like, oh, that song sucks. Like, like you, you don't like Smash Mouth like you used yeah, to. Yeah, I don't want to put Limp Biscuit on a, <laughs> on a, a mixtape from my son. <laughs> but there was, I'm going to come out, there was a part of me that really liked it at a certain point. Uh, and then I really didn't like it. And then as an adult, I'm like, ew, no. But if I could be honest, little 14-year-old Josh is playing the bass in my room. Yeah. Playing Limp Biscuit. Because, or however old I was, I don't remember. Here, son, let me introduce you to corn. <laughs> yeah, you don't need any of that. But if a song came on the radio and I was by myself and didn't have to explain myself to anybody, <laughs> I might not turn it off. Hmm. But I might not jam along with it. Right. Just like <laughs> sit in silence and remember. Yeah. Just like, hmm. <laughs> Those were the days. Oh, okay. I, <laughs> I think we have to go quick like we did last time with Brent's because there's a lot of them. Oh, no. All right. We'll do quickie. Brent. Right. Billy Idol. Boo. Meh. Con. Bob Dylan. Ah, same kind of thing. Dinner did anything for me. (laughs) It's a lot of effort to listen to music. Okay, so if we're going to be mean to the dad, we got to be mean to the sons or the wallflowers. Uh, Nope, not my thing. Smashing Pumpkins. One of those, I loved pumpkins. I loved the pumpkins early on. And then I got really annoyed with them. And then everything over the last 15, 20 years, meh. I don't mind the pumpkins. Oh, there's that part I was talking about. (laughs) Hee hee. This little thing. <laughs> Sorry, we were having a separate conversation. Um, about. Oh, wait, 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 go back to the list. Uh, oh, Rod yeah, Stewart, no. boo. Yeah. <laughs> Elton John. Eh. Eh. I don't care. Matchbox 20. 
Boo. Eh. Did, you, did you like them? No. Are you, are you sure? looking at me? Like <laughs> are you that? sure? I, I honestly didn't care about Matchbox. I get 20. the feeling. Matchbox. No, there was a radio station that was back home that played like they played the pop hits, and it seemed like they had the like Wow. 2000 or uh, 1998 on repeat. Oh, yeah. And so if it was on that radio station, I hated it. Hmm. And Matchbox 20 was usually on that radio station. Because, like, here's the ah. kind of rock that your aunt could like. And I'm like, no, this sucks. <laughs> here's workplace safe rock and roll. Yeah. yeah. Panic at the Disco. Don't know. There's a couple songs I like Panic at the Disco. I wouldn't even. STP. Stone Temple Pilots. Um, I liked them a lot. Even though what, they, what, I really. That? Passive or what was that? You liked it? No, I liked them a lot. I okay. I um, I don't think I would like actively go listen to their stuff now. And it was weird because I was I was very much like into the first generation grunge mm-hmm. thing, and I really felt like they were at that like one and a half generation. They were close to like this, Allison Chains. Uh, no, they were first generation. Okay. They just didn't get as popular as everybody yeah. else. But like Bush. Right. Boo. 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 Really? Boo, boo, boo. Second generation rip-off grunge music. That's what that is. I like that. And I know. A lot of people do. (laughs) You're wrong. (laughs) I'm just kidding. Like, so STP was kind of like that, but I, they were, I don't know. I liked them, but I always kind of felt guilty about liking them because it felt Mm. like, you know, they were like kind of posers, but not quite posers. Like, they only existed because Pearl Jam existed. I think they only existed because Scott Weiland was like a crazy bad boy. And that's what oh, I didn't that, like about it. I thought that true. even as a teenager, I'm like, there's a PR firm somewhere that's like, no, you just be you. And we'll put it on the magazines. Like, oh, man, he's going off the deep end. And they did that with the killers. <laughs> Whoever the guy that sang for the killers. Yeah. I think they had the same thing. And I remember it. You're distracting from that dude making music. Because hmm. you're like, oh, he's so tortured inside. Maybe he'll end up like Kurt Cobain. Like, mm. oh, man. Like, just stop that and sing a song, man. Kind of did end up like Kurt Cobain. A little bit. Kind of. Uh, Goo Goo Dolls. <laughs> no. Boo. No. <laughs> Gin Blossoms. It there, wasn't. Sorry, go ahead. There might be a song that I remember from the Gin Blossoms. Is that the, the mm? no. No. That, that was the, uh. Crash test dummies. Yeah, I was about to say fun loving criminals, and I know that's wrong. I don't even know that's who that super is. wrong. Goo Goo Dolls were uh, not Goo Goo Dolls. Gin Blossoms were like um, a little too twangy for me. For me, that's interchangeable with the Goo Goo Dolls, and almost interchangeable from Matchbox Twenty. Ooh, well, mm, I would put them out in a little bit different category because I do think they had some good songs. It just and I listened to them. I had the CD. One of the things I liked about them that I identified with them is that in the liner notes of the CD, there was an Ear Ecstasy sticker. And if you're not from here, so you don't know Ear, Ear Ecstasy, but it was a record store in Louisville that was known worldwide. Mm. And it was ear, the word ear, X dash to C, I think is how they, T-A-C-Y. And it was, there were a couple of them when I was growing up, and it was like the cool place. And so mm. we would drive to Louisville, we would go to there, and that's where you found out about all the new crazy music, the underground stuff. You get tapes from like local bands. Like mm. it was a cool place, and people, big bands would come through Louisville and go there to hang out. That's so cool. it was that cool place. And so I think I probably, part of me putting up with the twanginess of Gin Blossoms was because they had like a, hey, that's our cool place. Yeah. Mm. Kind of thing. Goo Goo Dolls did a song on Sesame Street that I liked more than any actual <laughs> Goo Goo Doll song. <laughs> Which I think goes huh. for a lot of popular music that has ended up on Sesame Street. Speaking of, uh, well, Weezer is on this list. 
I like Weezer mm-hmm. for the most part. Uh, I mean, I'm not crazy about a lot of the stuff that they've done over the years, like but Weezer. it's not bad. It's just not as good as the original stuff. But they did a song for. Did you ever watch Yo Gabba Gabba? You've talked about it. I haven't watched it. It's like a kid's show from yeah. several years back that's not available anymore, I don't think. But it was a really cool show for a kid's show. But they would have bands like Weezer come on and do these songs, but they were not their typical songs. They were kid songs. And Weezer did one called All of My Friends Are Insects or something like that. Hmm. And it was a typical Weezer rock song all about butterflies and hmm. all of his friends were bugs. And it's just like a fun, cool, totally Weezer song. Um, yeah. Presidents of the United States. Oh, we missed live. I like live. Boo. I like live. When I would do the Boo. dishes by myself listening to a CD, I had throwing copper in my CD player. You know, like you know, like in Princess Bride when she's having that dream and that old lady stands there. Yeah. That's me at a live show. <laughs> uh, Blues Traveler. I can respect... How well that guy plays the harmonica, but I think the harmonica is one notch down from bagpipes. I'm 100% on board with that. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. 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 No, yeah, not a big... They played in Savannah in the park. It was the year I graduated from college or a year or two after that. Like, the school would always bring in a big band and have they set up this big stage. And everybody was always anxious to see who the band was because you never knew until, Mm -hmm. like, a day or two before. And somebody were talking about, like, it's going to be Dave Matthews, and everybody's freaking out, and Blues Traveler. And I was like, oh, I guess I'll find something else to do. They had Mute Math one time, though. Do you know crazy. Seven Mary Three? I know the name, but... Okay. So Seven Mary Three did uh, Going Down to the Water's Edge. Um, I cumbersome song like that. Anyway, they're from Orlando, and they played at UCF, and their lead singer apparently had bronchitis or some garbage, so... I was in the big crowd because they used to have a big uh, pep rally and a huge fountain in the middle of campus. And I had, like, our chest all painted all stupid because we were college kids. And they called us out of the crowd, and I got to sing uh, Water's Edge on stage with oh. Seven Mary Three. Hmm. That was pretty fun. Cool. Those are the only two songs I know by Seven Mary Three. <laughs> it's a good thing they didn't call you out to sing a different one. Let's sing the oldies. <laughs> You're just up there, like, watermeloning. Watermelon, watermelon. Did the whole thing. All right. Uh, where can people find you? Uh, everywhere at Josh underscore Make Stuff. If you're watching the YouTube video, look at that fancy little fly-up that came up when you said that. Anthony. Anthony's making That's, that's his adequate performance right there, everybody. <laughs> you just get to see it now. But yeah. Been there oh, cool. Um, and you can find me at I Like to Make Stuff on all the stuff. Oh, look, there's another little fly-up. <laughs> Neato. Whoosh. Um, yeah, send us some ideas on Twitter or uh, let us know what you think of the show. Let other people know. If you'd like to hear us ram- ramble and talk about stuff that we talk about, then tell other people to listen. I'm really bad at this. Um, thanks for listening. <laughs> we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. <laughs>